morning again. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll head into our last session together. Father, we uh, thank you for your church, that um, you have a people that you've made your own in covenant relationship, and that you are faithful, loving, loyal, gracious God. We owe everything to you. Thank you for calling us into community, giving us a passion for gathering, and equipping us then to scatter. Pray as we finish up peacemaking today and talk about mission, Lord, that you will help us bless these as they continue to evaluate whether you would have them commit here at Orlando Grace, and help me as I explain that process and the rest of our content today, pray that we will be built up in our most precious faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. <coughs> so we have three things we're going to try to accomplish today. First, we're going to finish up on the um, teaching about peacemaking and biblical conflict resolution. There's the four Gs. We got through three of them last week. And then I'm going to talk about our, our mission locally, mission statement. And then I'm going to finish you the membership process for making applications for those of you who uh, are still there. So, uh, let's uh, remember if we can. Who can tell me what G number one was in biblical conflict resolution? Anybody recall? Glorify God. God, right? That's the vertical dimension. Whatever you do, whether it's complete or good, do all to the glory of God. <laughs> the most important question. How can I honor and glorify God in this conflict? Second G? Get the log out, out of your own eye. The internal dimension. The self-examination. The um, what is the cause of quarrels and conflicts among you James for? Is it not your passions that lead for within you. Uh, you may only be 10% responsible for the conflict, but you're 100% responsible for your 10%. Third G? Gently restore. Gently restore. Having removed the log from our own eye, then we have the privileged responsibility to bear the burdens of someone else by helping take the speck out of theirs. Galatians 6.1, we talked about Matthew 18. Some comments on church discipline. You probably have some questions, perhaps, left over from that if you do. Well, but we're going to pick up today before I open it up for any further questions on this to the fourth G, page 95. Go and be reconciled. Bottom of page 95. Go and be reconciled. The last important question you must ask in a conflict is how can I demonstrate the forgiveness of God? How can I demonstrate the forgiveness of God and encourage a reasonable solution? Matthew 5.24 Jesus instructs in important teaching on anger uh, one of the ways to counter anger 
is to be a quick peacemaker. Hello, John. Oh. Welcome back. Hey, sir. Nice to have you here. Go ahead and fill out a name tag, grab a notebook, and come and be seated, all right? Yeah. Um, Jesus counsels that if you're aware that your brother has something against you, Matthew 5, 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Another key principle is forgive as God forgave you. Forgive as God forgave you. Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There is no one in the room that hasn't been wounded hasn't been sinned against. There's no one in the room that hasn't sinned against someone else. The basis of the grace of forgiveness is always the gospel. Forgive others as God in Christ, Ephesians 4.32, has forgiven you. The greater the wound, the more crucial the power of the gospel is in being able to grant forgiveness. Um, always happy when we have a newcomer. This is a newcomer's class, John. Excellent. So you found yourself in the right place. We met John last week from Chicago. Yes, sir. Were we able to help you with the ride today? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Mr. The Matthew Matt West. West. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of our designated ride person <laughs> at Romantic. Right? I don't One think of our he's going to have to go too far. No, 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 no. He loves that kind of thing. In fact, if you ever have to go to the airport, call Matt. He'll take you any time, day or night. <laughs> And he loves that ministry because he's got a servant's heart. So, so you just moved from Chicago. Yes, sir. Right. And what brought you to Central Florida? Um, it looked nice outside. <laughs> 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 but so it was time for a change for me, you know. Uh -huh. After my operation, so yeah. I, thought I had to take some rehabilitation time with my folks. Uh -huh. You know, I love them dearly. And then it took like two years. Wow. And uh -huh. then now they said, okay, it's time. Where do you want to go? Florida. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. Live up by Crane's Roost. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Super. Well, you're actually coming in on this newcomer class that we do twice a year. And this is the last Sunday of this current one. But a new one starts in September that I suspect the new pastor, Jim, will at least have a hand in. Um, I don't know that he'll be running with the whole thing because he'll just be getting ramped up, perhaps. I would suspect maybe one of the other elders will be. We're still talking about what that will look like. However, you're more than welcome here. You're holding in your hand a notebook that you use that kind of like a, a guide through this. We are on page 95. It's at the end of tab six. If you see a six down there, go to page 95 and we're wrapping up. We've been talking about peacemaking. Um, the strong value here that we do conflict resolution well and that we do that according to an acronym of for thee, glorify God, put the law out of your own eye, share and restore. And now we're talking about the all-important concept of forgiveness. So if you'll turn over to page 96 now, here's a definition for an unpacking, if you will, of forgiveness. So I think it's really helpful because it can be kind of a nebulous um, 
Uh, five, you saying, what does it really mean to remit, forgive, to let go of an offense? Forgiveness may be described as a decision. A decision to make four promises. I will not dwell on this incident. I won't dwell on it. I will not bring up incident and use it against you in the future. I will not talk to others about it. And finally, I will not let this incident stand between me or hinder our present relationship. Corlette Sandy, who is Ken Sandy's wife, uh, wrote some curriculum of peacemaking for for families and children, and she made this into a little ditty poem lyric that I helps me remember. Good thought, hurt me not. Gossip never, friends forever. Now, I don't have this in the notes, but I will often get a question, so maybe I'll just be preemptory. What if you're never asked for forgiveness? Do you still forgive? Well, it depends upon what you mean. That kind of a Luke 17, 1, Jesus said, just inevitable for offenses to come. When your brother repents, forgive him. That's a, I call that transactional forgiveness, where you have that opportunity. You've talked it out. You've done peacemaking. Somebody says, you know what? I sinned against you. Will you forgive me? You say, I will forgive you. You have transacted that kind of forgiveness. But there are, maybe even often, but certainly there are occasions where there's an offense, somebody's got a blind spot to it, or they don't think they've done anything wrong, and you never hear, or it's a long time before you hear those words, will you forgive me? Then there can be what we might call a dispositional forgiveness. Because the Lord is very clear in the Lord's Prayer, if you don't forgive from your heart, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Somebody has said forgiveness is the poison we drink trying to kill somebody else. You're only harming, pardon me, unforgiveness, yes. Forgiveness <laughs> is not a poison. Thank you. <laughs> you can see here. Keep your close tabs on me. Unforgiveness is the poison you drink, right? You're hoping to kill somebody else. Um, that there is, a, you know, I point to Jesus' example on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's this there's this mindset that I am predisposed, if I ever can have that conversation, to be eager to grant. In fact, when somebody ever says to me, Kurt, will you forgive me? I, and I learned this from the peacemaker people. I, I try to say, you know what? I, I enthusiastically forgive you. I, I eagerly forgive you because that's the way God in Christ has forgiven me and I want that gospel to be operative in my life. So, so there are, I think it's fair to say, those are different realities to forgiveness. But if you are in the dispositional mindset, then when that time comes where there is a transaction, if there is, then you can be more eager to forgive. Uh, finally, determined to employ the ultimate weapon in prolonged conflict, which is deliberate, focused love. 
Romans 12.21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Questions about peacemaking, conflict resolution, church discipline here, any of these aspects. Comments before we move on. didn't really see a sincerity when they're asking you. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. And then you forgive them and you'll realize later on you're like, uh, you know what, that person really wasn't sincere. Mm-hmm. You already forgave them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to then, you know, really kind of accept them, <laughs> their apology and you already forgave them and so then you're fighting with yourself mm-hmm. and really you're at fault. You're definitely at fault for just allowing them to flippantly uh, ask which I think is, if you, you know, we talked about the seven A's of confession. If, if you are mindful of what makes for a good confession, then that can help you evaluate um, the kind of, you know, uh, asking of forgiveness that is going on. But, and, and I think that's also, you know, why, you know, that seventh A is ask for forgiveness, but allow for time. You may be in a point where you say, well, I appreciate you coming to me. I really do want to forgive you. The hurt is pretty big, and I'm still working it through. Just give me a little time, um, and so that you want you, you know, whatsoever is not a faith or sin. Romans 14 says you want your you you want your granting of forgiveness to be a faith as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, like this forgiveness is for sure is talking about biblical forgiveness. It's it's almost like agape love. It's unmerited. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no connection. I can't. Uh, you have to offer like God loves that. Yeah. yeah. And forgives them. That's why they. There's no merit at all. The gospel is very important. Although, you know, there, I don't. I would not want this to be confused with, you know, the reality that certain things are such an egregious offense that uh, while you can be reconciled there may very well be a difference in the relationship where, um, because there are um, consequences, uh, then there's got to be accountability. And so uh, I I, I wouldn't want to convey that forgiveness can always be such a simple, uh, clean thing, but it is definitely a heart thing where one must guard against bitterness. And the best um, healing antidote for resentment is the gospel, the agape love of Jesus for us, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think um, this is going to be different. You know, if, well, like in your situation, what if somebody came and got the perfect apology? Um, you know, there's so much, if someone comes to you and, <coughs> and basically they are demanding that you forgive them. You know, like if someone comes and, and asks for forgiveness and and you're struggling, and, and, and I need some time, and then their response is anger right. and pressure and demanding that you forgive them, they clearly there's still a, a lot to deal with. Um, yeah. And they're not really apologetic at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's not, forgiveness isn't just a, a thing you go through. You know, there's 
some little, you say this, I say that, and now it's all done. I think the reality that's going on that, you know, nothing will be solved if you just say words, you know, so. Hmm. Hmm. It's a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Before I forget, lunch today, our place, after service, address is up there. Love to have you join us if you're available. We'll make sure you get a ride home, too. Mm-hmm. You can even, unless you want to ride in the back of my pickup, that won't work. So <laughs> we'll find another vehicle. Maybe somebody here's got some room they can, they can take them. If, if you're available, we'd love to have you. So yeah, um, that's the address. If anybody needs further instructions on that, I'd be happy to do it. But we are ready to go. Um, a value that's stated here at the bottom about uh, family-based transformation. God established the home as the foundational social sphere through which he intends to transform the culture. No matter what form a family takes, from a single adult to a single parent home, to a traditional two-parent family unit, the church is only as strong as its families. Therefore, we will earnestly strive to strengthen homes, value children, including the unborn, encourage generational integration, train the members of their sons to glorify God in all they do, and equip subsequent generations to shine as lights in the world. Two weeks back, you had Amanda, our children's ministry director, come in and walk you through the children's ministry approach, policies, and procedures. That's what the rest of the section is about. So, no reason for me to review that. Let's turn over to tab seven, talk a little bit about mission. All right? Again, any questions or further comments about peacemaking? All right. <coughs> How many of you have ever been involved in crafting a mission statement for an organization? Anybody have a hand in doing that? Everyone throughout that, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. What a great idea. Well, I know people that do personal mission statements, and family mission statement is a terrific idea. Churches frequently do this businesses. My experience, I've done it numerous occasions. It is kind of like oral surgery without a nerve block or um, nitrous oxide. (laughs) I would not say play having a baby because I know I'd be reproved later about thinking I know what having a baby is like. But it can be a painstaking task because every word counts. And one of the things that we did back when I took the helm in 02 and had to do basically a restart was we wordsmithed our mission, vision, values, and that included the mission statement, which is at the top of page 111. Each of these words is very important from the verbal gerund that opens it, engaging, to then the plural, peoples, everywhere, to pursue ultimate satisfaction in Jesus. A mission statement answers the question, what does God want us to do, as it's called out people in the Church of Jesus Christ? The mission answers the what question. What are we supposed to be doing? The core values apply the reasons for what we do. 
The mission follows the values in priority and development. It serves to channel our core values into the ministry. It's an expression of our deepest driving values. Now here's the deal. Every, biblically, every church mission should center on the mission statement that the Bible has. Can we all agree on that? We really can't improve that. Obeying the Great Commission, commonly called the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, I'm sure most, if not all of you, are very familiar with it. Would somebody read that passage for us, please? Matthew 28, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Jesus' marching orders, right, to the apostles at the ascension, before he rose into the heavens with them, looking on, all farthing heaven on earth, granted to me, and on that basis, here's your command. How many of you like English in school? Are there any English lovers? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I that's, a, that's another side of the brain. I don't know which side it is, but I like English because I thought diagramming was really cool. Right? Now, I, more about, I learned more about English diagramming in Greek class than I ever did in English class. And that's where I fell in love with it. I, I, I got to understand it. I'm going to do a little diagramming exercise, okay, from Matthew 28. You'll never look at Matthew 28 again in the same way, all right? There's really only one main verb. All right, if you diagram this, you got a subject. Subject is implied. It's a, it isn't, there isn't an actual noun or subject noun there. It's implied in the verb, that's free, that's extra. The verb is make disciples. It is in what we call the imperative mood. It's a command. All part of you in heaven and earth, therefore, make disciples. Go is not the verb. Even though the ESV translated, go and make disciples. It's borrowing in these, what we call participles, that modify the main verb, going, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. How do you make disciples? Get moving. Henceforth engage. The way we live, work, and play. We have always been a, uh, to borrow Joe Aldridge's term, lifestyle evangelism, a lifestyle evangelistic approach. We are not a programmatic, event-oriented, though we have done mercy ministry kinds of events, and we do our parking outreach by the time that comes around in the fall. We want you, and there's another reason why we don't have something going on at the church every night of the week, we want you to have bandwidth in your schedules to have unbelieving friends and to do things with them, to build relationships, 
to be on the move, where people live, move, and play, in, engaging them in relationships, but looking and or discipling them into Christ and then in Christ. Baptizing them is certainly the role of the church in um, the initiation into the faith as they uh, repent and believe the gospel, and then an ongoing ministry of teaching them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. This is similarly fleshed out in Acts 1.8, if we wanted to look at another commission-oriented verse. Would someone read it, please? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. By God's grace and in the power of the Spirit, we will seek as a body to accomplish this mission by, and this forms the acrostic bride as the church is the bride of Christ, John 3.29, on mission to the world. The B is for building bridges, to share the gospel by moving into the lives of people within our various locales, places where we live, work, and play with wise works and words. <coughs> May I have a reader from Colossians 4, 5 and 6, please? <coughs> Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Walk in wisdom, redeem <coughs> the time, gracious words, speak seasoned with salt, and know how to answer. There's a combination here as a way of building religious other passages at the top of page 112. How about somebody read Matthew 5? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by the people's feet. You are the light of the world. Thank you, sir. And Philippians 2.15, someone else. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crook and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Lots of metaphors, right? Salt of the earth, light of the world, um, speech is gracious, season with salt. Um, the way we live our lives and the way we speak and engage people is the main vehicle of witness in a lifestyle of evangelism. How do we let our light shine? Answer that they may see your good works. More passages here. Ephesians 2.10, please. Making you read a lot. Work with me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. First Timothy five twenty-five. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Isn't that amazing? Try to hide those things. It's just really hard to do. And then finally Titus three, eight and fourteen. <coughs> 
understand you're trustworthy and I want you doing good things for me. So those that have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Mm. <coughs> this is, in my mind, such a battle in our over-calendared, mayhem-busy, crazy um, social media, uh, entertainment-oriented consumer lifestyle. Did I pile on enough modifiers there for you? To have an intentionality, a plan, and an execution of kindness, of bridge building, of uh, relating with and building friendships with unbelieving people, absolutely, and that's not the only aspect, obviously, of good works, but it clearly is an important part of being a person on mission in your everyday life. J.I. Packer in his book, uh, Concise Theology, writes, all Christians and therefore every congregation of the church on earth are called to practice deeds of mercy and compassion. A thoroughgoing neighbor love that responds unstintingly to all forms of human need as they present themselves. Compassion was the inward aspect of the neighbor love that led Jesus to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and teach the ignorant. <coughs> and those who are new creatures in Christ must be similarly compassionate. Thereby they keep the second great commandment and also give credibility to the proclamation of the Savior who makes sinners into lovers of God and of their fellow human beings. If the exponents of this message do not display its power in their own lives, credibility is destroyed. If they do, credibility is enhanced. This was Jesus' point when he envisioned the sight of the good works of his witnesses, leading people to glorify the Father. Good works should be visible to back up good words. One of the, you know, this manifests itself in different ways at different times. Um, I remember, well, in fact, you know, one of the uh, the uh, sad things for me, I, I think it's going to be not nearly as much since you've only lived in the home with me for uh, almost a year and a half now, is to leave the incredible neighborhood that I've been a part of. And Nancy and I, and uh, it's been harder with Jan and me coming to the finish line, getting married, finishing all their surgeries, etc., to have too much involvement with the neighborhood. Um, the house right across the street from us is now on sale as a Fisbo. A lady who was a widow passed away. They put the home up and it looks great now. But about eight years ago, the woman who lost her husband to cancer, the, the house really needed to be painted something bad. And so I, I went to her one day and I said, um, you know, I really was trying to help my church Everybody in the neighborhood knows I'm the Baptist preacher. Okay. Um, to be uh, practicing what they, we preach, so we'd love to paint your home for you if you want, and we'll buy the paint if you can't afford it. And at first she said, no, 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 no. I said, okay, well, if you ever change your mind, let me know. A year later, uh, she came back to me and she said, oh, do you remember asking me if you could? I said, yeah. Are you interested? Well, yeah, we were in. So back-to-back -back weekends, we had an army. And what I, what I did was 
um, had lots of people from Atlantic Race. But I went around the immediate neighborhood with a flyer saying, we're doing a uh, Love Your Neighbor um, weekend tour for lady up the street who needs her house painting. My church is going to spearhead this. Anybody like to help? Join us. And we had people from the neighborhood pitch in. One weekend, we just, you know, I, I love the paint. I hate prepping. But we, we prepped the place, pressure washed it, got everything ready to go. Next weekend, we came in, painted it from top to bottom, put in a new mailbox. I mean, the place just looked terrific. Just a, a way to have a, you know, let your light shine on your impact. Every fall when the Church Cross Street has their fall festival and this place is a nightmare of traffic and people are fighting over parking spots, we have teams out from that Friday night through Sunday afternoon doing, we, do, we, we, have, we have turned it now since we opened in 2012, we, it runs like a, a cool, clean, high-performance engine machine where people are greeted, they come in, they pull out their wallet, say how much, we say nothing, and they park, I mean, most, they're charging five, ten bucks a slot around here for parking on people's lawns and the like. And I love you, we, we love you, we want to bless the city. You know, if they don't have a church home, they can have a flyer about our land of race, then it's another way to take advantage of what happens around here and try to love on folks. So. I got involved in my book club while it was meeting, and we're in a built relationship to stay. I have with an unbelieving Jewish man that I'm very close friends with, and I will miss with talking about the gospel. I think I've, I've mentioned to him to you before. Just, uh, I, I wish that I had done more of this. It's just always a battle with the demands of life, etc. But would love for you to go out of here with a vision in your mind of bridge building and relation building among unbelievers. More than ever in our world, it takes the building of relationships. <coughs> there used to be a day where, and I'm not saying that God doesn't still use door-to-door, -door, but an initiative evangelism, and there are times where it's more than appropriate. But in this postmodern construct that we're in, where people are so skeptical and have been so disappointed by Christianity, and it is no longer the prevailing mindset, I think that's fair to say, then earning the right to invest in somebody's life and help bring them along is important by relationship building. The R in Bride is reproducing churches to multiply congregations near and far. We share our mission and values. If you've been around any length of time, you've gotten to know or at least hear and see Winston Miller and Stacy and the family who we just launched to South Florida, and he's working on that church plant. We've had others that we've been involved with as well. As Jesus said to Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Interceding in prayer is the eye to see God raise up laborers for a harvest and bring many people to Christ among all people groups <coughs> in the world. Laborers. It's very plain about never not sure what to pray. Matthew 9, 36 to 38, he counsels very clearly. Could someone read that first? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We've looked at 152 before. We don't have to read that again. Developing disciples is the D to achieve spiritual maturity. We talked about the eight marks of a disciple articulated in the New Testament through participation in comprehensive training for all aspects of the Christian life. Training. And we had looked at 2 Timothy 2 2 as well before. Turn the page over. The eight marks of a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. I guess we hadn't talked about that before. This was a sermon series, a topical series that I did a number of years ago, trying to flesh out what are we aiming for in developing disciples. And here are, here are eight, eight things. Um, one, pursues the joy in God by abiding in Christ through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Two, Manifest his godliness of character by obeying God's word through the power of his spirit. Three, fulfills his roles in society by embracing God's design to function in each of the ordained spheres, home, church, and state. Four, shares his faith with unbelievers by engaging them through a wise combination of gracious words and merciful works. Five, does his part in global missions by maximizing his investment through praying, sending, and or going. Six, accomplishes his ministry to others by using his gift or gifts in the domain or domains of God's calling. Manages his resources from God by utilizing them according to the principles of biblical stewardship. And eight, demonstrates his love for believers by engaging in fellowship through keeping the covenants of church membership. When I think about maybe writing another book, that kind of is something I think maybe I should try to tackle at some point, but we'll see. Evangelizing peoples is the E, to further the completion of the Great Commission around the world through strategic sending and going. Sending and By the way, you, you might recall I asked Jan to share a couple of weeks ago about her friend in India and that she used to work with and doing just like Francis Schaefer Bible study at Panera and once a month or every six weeks whenever you could fit it in, having that opportunity to share Christ with her and help her to pray to receive Christ. And you know, we were talking about, okay, we're leaving on August 31st, Lord willing, who do you want to hang out with? I knew the answer before it came, but that India is on that short list to further follow up and try to encourage her um, in her discipleship and following of the Lord. Uh, there's so many different ways that this can be done um, if we're intentionally strategically thinking through, yeah, this is my role. I, my identity in Christ is I'm a witness. I am always by my works and words making a statement about my um, um, allegiance to Jesus. Uh, you know, could you, we went down and told my folks about moving to Idaho. I wasn't sure how that was going to go on Friday, but it went better than I thought. 
and you had a talk with my mom about a woman that just came to visit with her from California. It's such an encouraging talk. Could you tell these guys that story as another example of what we're talking about here? All right, I think we've built up the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> now you can tell the story. She was saying that um, years ago she was at work, I think, and offered her lunch break. She was at a college campus when she was taking some home decor classes out. And that's okay. I mean, but in, in, in California, uh, who's telling the story, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, between the two of us, you'll get this story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was sitting out at this little table on the patio and eating a sandwich, and this young lady came over to her that she'd never met before, and she said, um, she said, hi, my name is whoever, she said, um, I've been watching you, and she said, um, I just wanted to say, I want what you have. I sat there, and mom goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> conversation that it was just she saw the growth of Lori and um, and she ended up leading church Christ and then I don't know at, at what point that also her husband came to know the Lord and they've been friends ever since you know all these years later and this woman <coughs> found out that my mom has Alzheimer's and is progressing she's still able to converse and but it is obvious the short-term memory and word loss all of that is, is functioning and so last week, she flew out from California. Husband sent her. Spent three days, has always had been grateful to my mom for being God's vehicle and leading her to Christ. And my mom was so, can you imagine how encouraging that was? So just another, you just never know what God's going to do as you engage people. You know, when I, when I see those people, like you said, you know, she saw that glow in her. In fact, just last week when I was doing some grocery shop, I see a lady like that. I'm like, wow, I got to ask her a question. Is she as drugged as Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Which is it? Tell me the truth. <laughs> no, really, I glow in it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting opening line. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, she didn't know what it was. <laughs> oh, okay. The kind of thing you hope and pray will happen to you someday it kind of makes evangelism a whole lot easier than it can be. <laughs> you love that story when you hear it. If we do this mission in our community by practicing these five means, we envision the following happening by God's grace. Its peoples in increasingly greater numbers from every walk of life turn from sin and its inferior pleasures by pursuing ultimate satisfaction in God through Christ, joining his church, the body, as members passionately engage in ministries of word and work. It believers progressively grow in pursuing, they grow in pursuing their joy in God, resulting in increased knowledge of Him, practicing spiritual disciplines, obedience to His revealed will, demonstrating utmost integrity, 
practice of his impartial love, engaging sacrificially in relationships, based on his promises, taking God on in the rest, and strengthening his power of walking in the Holy Spirit. Top of 115, his churches regularly cooperate in the unity of the Spirit as the greater body of Christ. They cooperate for the planting of additional like-minded churches, serving the spiritual and practical needs of the community, and promoting justice for the powerless and reconciliation among the estranged. And its culture, all those different aspects, gradually reflect increasingly greater conformity to kingdom values as revealed in the Word of God. Yes. Sure is. And a great challenge to invite and hoping that more and more that the gospel is preached and the mission of the church in the world is impacted over time. God will do works of transformation. Questions or comments on the mission? Ah, sure. Um, Conformity, right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. A bottom line, find some way to be on mission. You're not too young, you're not too old, you're not too in between. You can be too busy. You can be too um, apathetic. Is that right? Distracted. Yeah. There are a lot of different things that war against this we're constantly fighting against turning inward and being gospel hoarders. Uh, <coughs> I was convicted of being from church, family, and friends around the country from, from um, about 18 years ago in a prayer meeting. I remember praying that the Lord Uh-huh. Great prayer. Great place to start. Not very long afterwards. <laughs> Dangerous prayer. Out of necessity, uh-huh. I had to go to work, and I, I chose to go to work in retail, mm. mm-hmm. where I stayed for 15 years, and oh I my. Really, I know I prayed, <laughs> 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 but I didn't know. <laughs> wow. I didn't know this was going to be it, but it's there has been relationships that were formed were formed with customers that stay in touch to this day. Praise the Lord. Nice. And uh, uh-huh. but I thought the Lord really and I have missed the you know, being in the crisis center where they lock, mm-hmm. lock the doors. Yeah. They don't lock the doors no. of the church. Right. And that's what gave me such a burden to get yeah. Mm-hmm. The church, but yeah. Retail did it. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's turn over to pa- tab ten. Let me talk to you as we close here. There's in, in chapter nine. There's uh, uh, something of a vision statement you can read on your own. Um, I want to talk to you about the process of membership application. And you know how to proceed from here if you are of a mind to do so. And I prayed in our prayer team meeting this morning that those of you that need to push the pause button will do that. 
But that those of you that God wants to move ahead, we'll do that. Um, and I thought that, that I'll support that um, that's, a, that's an issue that you have to figure out between you and Jesus. And if there's anybody I can help you personally about that, any lingering questions or discussion you want to have, I'm still on the clock. I'm still full time, and I'm happy. This is my last class. You've been absolutely terrific. I love you guys. You've been great to work with. Looking forward to having you at lunch today, and um, more than willing to try to help you with this process. We do an application process because it's the responsibility of the church to be able to say that somebody who wants to join has a credible profession of faith, and not perfect. None of us have a perfect walk with Jesus, but there has to be an evaluation of that. So these documents in tab 10 are designed to help facilitate that. The membership interviews happen on Sunday morning during this hour so that if you have children, child care is provided. When it's a single individual, they usually are about a half hour, but they can go an hour depending upon what there might be going on. Always with a couple, it's an hour long, and it's conducted by at least and usually only two of our officers, often an elder and a deacon in tandem. And I'm excited today that you'll meet the um, Humbert couple and the um, uh, Powell household who will be with us for lunch, two of our elders. So uh, some of the other guys are not available, but so you have a chance to engage a bit. Um, and here are, here's what you need to fill out and get to me in advance, either dropping by the office sending in the mail, or the easiest way is to scan and email them to me. Because our officers review these in advance of the interview, looking for any areas that they might want to have questions. So, are we all with me on page 146 here? Start out with personal information, and then a bit of your spiritual background, when you became a Christian, if you know. And then a brief testimony. You do not have to write a 10-page term paper, okay? If you want to add a page, if you want to give a little bit more detail, you can do that. But if it's only that amount of space, that's fine. If you turn over to 148, I'll get back to 147 in a moment. 148 is personal questionnaire number two. Um, where you answer the, uh, what are referred to as the Kennedy question, if you were to die tonight and stand before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? So respond to that. And then on page 149, there's a question about your baptism. Is baptized by immersion? Yes. When and where? If not, please explain. Perhaps you never have been baptized. It is, as we talked about in that session, a requirement for membership here. If you want to appeal on conscience, again, we talked about this with baptism, that you were baptized as an infant in a Presbyterian church, a Reformed church, not a Catholic, Roman Catholic church, or a church that promotes baptismal regeneration, you will want to explain that here with some text that you would appeal to in the Bible that you think causes you to teach that this is what is taught there, what you've embraced, and that it would be a violation of your conscience. That will be a subject of discussion if it pertains to anybody. 
and I would again refer you to that session if you're not sure exactly what I'm talking about there to try to deal with that at length. So now back to page 147, questions about your spiritual life. Obviously these are all held in confidence. If you go ahead and become a member, they are put in your file under lock and key in the office. And then the moment that God takes you out of here and moves you somewhere else, that, com that file comes out of there and goes in a transitional file. And then once you commit to another church, if you're transferring elsewhere, then those files are shredded. You keep the main information in digital files, but most of the files are shredded. This is the way of doing things decently in order to contract church membership, former church membership. I would encourage you, um, and I think most, if, if I could brag on you guys for a moment, I just appreciate how intentionally you've been about your process coming from a church in New York, um, maintaining your membership there, um, building under their authority and care while you've been moving. In. And is it okay to share the conversation we had about how you have been doing? Now I'm sharing about your giving. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> They've continued to give up there, which, you know, and Pam and I haven't talked about this. I don't expect to have a problem, but I fully expect until we transfer, we'll continue to support the ministry here because these people are going to be watching over and caring for us in the, in the transition. So. Um, it, it's a courtesy to communicate with your home church that you have a membership with, if you have one, that you're making that move so they know that they're no longer on the front lines of your spiritual care. So not everybody does it, we do it. So if you tell us the address, etc., we are happy to petition, but prefer to do that and that can be a conversation as well. Um, just to indicate that, and we'll be happy to do it. Some discussion about ministry service area, if you found one or you're looking for one, uh, and then um, uh, involvement in a community group was also uh, a question. There is a spiritual gift body life resources inventory to fill out that will help us know where to place you. And then if you're interested in being involved in children's ministry at Orlando Grace, and I would remind you that we're, our expectation, unless there are some issues, is that by and large men will serve on the set up and take down service teams, uh, and that ladies will help with being in the childcare location. You have to fill out a background check to be, and there's a form there for that, to serve in nursery. This is part of risk management. But Turning to little ones, but if you want to, if you want to teach children, then additionally you need to be filling out the application for children's ministry to Atlanta Grace Church. So those are the main documents here. Um, I have an early bird special that if you want to do an interview next Sunday, we'll be we'll be scheduling them. It costs you the same as if you don't do the early bird special, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> except the extra headache of having to fill this stuff out and give it to me. But you can, we'll, we'll do this for at least a few weeks. It depends upon how many of you want to do the interview. Um, so we can knock out a bunch of them between now and next Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, next Sunday and the following Sunday, the 29th. I would love if we didn't have to do any in August since it's missions month, but if we have one or two that we have to do then, then we'll, we'll do that on August 5th or the 12th. But, um, 
don't know if, if, if we got, if we, I don't know how important this is to you, if we were able to do these by the end of the month, I could, I could, I could see us doing a, uh, I don't know whether the board will agree to this, I, I would hope they would, I haven't talked to them about it, but that we could do your installation on August 12th on my last Sunday. I would love to be able to do that with you guys. It's not absolutely imperative, and I might be asking for too much and pushing. So please don't feel any obligation about that. But it would be sweet to have that be a part of. Uh, sorry that we're kind of pressed up against the wall with the deadline. So, but that's my last Sunday morning. Christopher. Um, just a question yeah. on membership. If we're not pursuing full membership, is there like an no issue whatsoever. We don't have anything in the bylaws about a, a, uh, a cooperative membership, but we've made exceptions for people, particularly seminary students who have a home church, and we're happy to share this here. Yeah, you just make that, you make that clear in your interview, and I make it clear when I bring the households to the board for vote about these are provisional members as long as they're here in seminary, but they will retain and remain primary membership in the home church. Yeah, great question. All right, I hope you're hungry, or you'll get there. Um, we had a great lunch, ready to go, and I'm telling you, the house was, I don't want to move now. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we do that? Yeah. <laughs> did you get it too? Did you tell them? I didn't tell everybody. We put the house on the market Wednesday night on the MLS, first showing on Thursday. Lady came in, 5,000 on the list, and it's gone. Oh, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, from the Lord. Uh, it has to be. Plan. You know? I, my realtor called his buddy from, I mean, I've known Ron for over 30 years, and, uh, or 20 years, and he said, I think I have your home sold. Really? <laughs> yeah, so God is very kind. And then on top of that, just, I mean, the so, so much goodness to me at a challenging time, us, in my life, our life. Uh, I finally got my permanent teeth on Monday uh, after a three-year job reconstruction process, the last step. And I said to Dr. P, uh, what do I owe you? He says, nothing. We told you we'd take care of you. I tears out of my eyes. I mean, he had a big bear hug. And so, you know how expensive that can be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not cheap. Uh, and it was pretty problematic. Uh, it's just, you know, my opening illustration to today's message is the story behind the writing of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Yeah, that's all I can say. All I can say. So, Father, we do thank you that you are the great covenant-keeping, faithful, mercies new every morning, God, of our fathers and of our lives. Thank you again for your church. Pray that you will I, I commit each of these households into your care in the process of evaluating, thinking, praying about membership at Atlanta Church. What a joy to have this stewardship with them in this final time for me and Jan. Uh, bless the service now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.